What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Live Build podcast. On today's episode, I would like to talk to you about anxiety and depression. Um, I'm super passionate about this subject because I love that mental illness is such a prevalent topic today. I think it's so important, um, especially in the church. And you cannot go anywhere. You cannot watch anything without something being advertised about something pertaining to mental illness. I think it's so important because to some degree, everyone has walked through some sort of anxiety, some sort of depression. And for so long, at least how I was raised in the background I came from, for so long that subject was completely off the table and was not a thing. There is no such thing as mental illness, depression, anxiety, whatever you want to call it, um, for Christians in the church. And that is far from the truth. (laughs) I just think we just need to scratch that thought, that type of thinking. It's not true, and it's so unfruitful for believers and for people across across the board. Um, so I'm talking to that girl today that, or that woman, that feels like she's stuck in darkness and does not see a way out. Um, maybe you have a plan, um, Maybe you have a plan to take your life and just end things. Maybe you're a girl that does self-harm. I'm talking to you, directly to you today. And I just want to challenge you to destroy those plans that you have of taking your life and throw those razors out. Get rid of them. You're needed here. And you're wanted here. Beyond that, you are wanted here. And there's people that need to hear from you. They need to hear your story. They need to be embraced by you. By you. They need your smile. They need your presence. Someone needs your hugs. And your life is vital and so important. Um, I, I did some research and came up with these Two interesting statistics. Um, One is anxiety. Anxiety disorders such as generalized anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, and panic disorder are some of the most commonly diagnosed mental health conditions in the U.S., affecting 42.5 million adults. And depression, 21 million U.S. adults are living with depression while 3.7 million people ages 12 to 17 experience major depression and 2.5 million people ages 12 to 17 experience severe depression. That is an insane amount of people. And to imagine the people that have not like stepped up to receive help, that, that's crazy and, it, and that breaks my heart. And I just wonder, like, how many people 
either think their feelings are invalid or silly or don't have the res- they, the access to resources to get help. I think that part is is hard for me to fathom. People that are still stuck in the thought that, like me, I was once there that reaching out for help or going to see a counselor was for like super crazy people and I don't have any issues. I don't need to see a therapist. Like I just wonder how many people still think that way and feel that way and they live and will continue to live the rest of their lives with the with with a lot of burdens on their shoulder. So I wanna just pause. If that's you, I I understand. I really do. Because like I said, I, I was one of those people. But I want to encourage you to pray about it and schedule an appointment. Just show up to the first one. I like to tell people that, especially Christians, that kind of give you pushback about um, seeing a therapist. But I I believe God gives us other resources. And if other resources were not okay, then, you know, why is it that we choose to go see a doctor when we're sick? Why is it that you call the plumber to fix your toilet. I want to encourage you first with that. It's okay. You can see a counselor. And I, and I encourage you to find a biblical counselor that will be able to integrate uh, prayer and scripture into your sessions. That's very vital. It's okay to reach out for help. You're not less of a person. You're not some weak sauce for reaching out for help. Like I said, I, I once thought... Counseling was for crazy, crazy people. But listen, if that's the case, I'm the first to say I'm a crazy, crazy person. And I'm growing into being okay with that. I'll be crazy, but I'm going to get help for my crazy. And I don't want to be the same person I am today in a year from now. Like I want to be healing and growing and growing towards a more whole version of myself, a whole version that God's called me to be. I, I want to experience that person here on earth. I want to experience the freedom that Christ died to give me here on earth, not just to experience it in heaven. I want it here. I want it for my relationships. I want it for my husband. I want it for my future children. Like I want to experience that wholeness and that freedom here on earth now. So I got to do what I got to do. So you evaluate your life and you decide what do you have to do to get and be who you want to be. So for me, um, going back for years, I silently battled with um, anxiety. I battled with PTSD and uh, depression. And it wasn't until maybe about two years ago that I really started getting the help I I desperately needed. And I'd seen counselors prior, but I was still very hesitant. Um, Finances gets involved, right? Counseling and therapists are, are really expensive. They're not cheap. So that was also an issue for me. And about two years ago, I started to get in depth help that I needed. And that's when I learned I, I was struggling in, in these three areas. And as someone that grew up in the church, I was always taught um, emotions were bad and 
to never listen to them. If you had a bad feeling or thought, it meant you weren't reading your Bible enough or you weren't praying hard enough. Like I heard things like, you're still dealing with that. Um, There's no such thing as a depressed Christian and all all the other things I, I heard. And so I quickly learned to to pretend. And I became very desensitized by denying the existence of my emotions. I would not give them permission. And I would just tell myself, like, you're crazy, like, you're psycho. Um, You're weird. And, like, you can't tell somebody that. Like, what are they going to think about you? And so I, I just learned to hide my feelings from myself and hide them from people and not tell the full truth of what was really going on. And so I suffered a lot in silence. And I quickly became very emotionally unwell. And I don't want that for you. If you're listening today, like that is not okay. And that's not the heart of a father, a good father, that you would suffer in silence and struggle with depression and anxiety and all the things. And if you are in a healthy church body, I would hope and pray and believe, I I truly believe that the people that really love you would not want you to suffer in silence. So I encourage you to, number one, find a counselor. Well, number one, pray for God's direction. Find you a counselor or find or and find people around you that can surround you and you can share those really ugly dark thoughts and feelings with they're valid they're they're telling you something's wrong and something's off assess them number one assess them give yourself permission to feel them and then figure out and weigh them with the word as to whether these are healthy and true or these lies from the pit of hell. I think so often we hear about these great monumental people in the Bible, like they're amazing, right? All these people that did great things for God and they had great faith and people that um, were unmoved by things. And, And that's great. And it's important to our faith and our walk with Christ. But I sometimes think I'm like, but what do those people really walk through? Right? So it makes me think of like pastors and these great people that we look up to that we're like, man, like those people are so great. Like, bro, their marriage is on point. Like they are so in love. They just roll off scripture off their tongue. Like, they just be walking on clouds. Like, these people are untouchable. Like, they, bro, they see God. Like, they go and pray and they see God. Like, they sit and look up <laughs> in his face. I'm like, bro, I'm trying to be like them, bro. Like, but how, right? And you don't know their stories. You don't know that behind the scenes or at home, like, these people are being drugged in the dirt, right, by life or they just got done fighting with their husband, or whatever the case is. You don't always see that side, but you just see this this nice glamour uh, on display, right? So I think of sometimes, I sometimes think of the people in the Bible as the same thing, like 
sometimes most of them you see and hear their story and you're like, man, like they're amazing. Or we teach from that perspective, but we don't always teach from the ugly side of things and, and their struggle. And so I love um, that I can relate to David. David had some highs, but that dude had some low lows. And I think of Elijah, like he was just like us. He was just like me. And I, I want to share with you a little bit of his story. Um, in First Kings 18, you should read it, and 19, great story. Um, but I'm just going to give you a quick little synopsis of this story. Um, so Elijah was a prophet. He goes to King Ahab and he confronts him for, for getting um, God in his ways and now worshiping a false god named Baal. I think it's Baal or Baal or Baal. I'm going to say Baal for now. Um, he tells the king to gather everyone in Israel to meet him at Mount Carmel. So um, in verse 19, Elijah, he, this man is crazy. He gets mouthy and mad petty. Um, in the message version of 1 Kings 18, verse 19, he tells this king, bro, he says, make sure the special pets of Jezebel, <laughs> the 450 prophets of the local gods, the balls, and the 400 um, prophets of the whore goddess, Ashvira, are there. Right? He asked the people when they all gather, he asked them, like, when when are you gonna when are y'all gonna stop playing the fence? Either you're following God or Baal. Like which one? Do you like y'all gotta pick one? Pick a side. So no one says anything, right? So he snaps back again. He says that he's the only true prophet of God, and four hundred prophets like the rest of y'all are followers of Baal, basically. So long story short, like I said, go read the full story. He tells the prophets um, of Baal to bring two oxen. He tells them to offer their oxen to Baal and pray, and he'll offer his to to God, like our God, my God, like the Lord Jesus Christ, like, yes, that God. And pray over, and, and whoever's God, as they pray, whoever's God answers with fire, specific fire will be the true God. All right, so bet. So, I'm reading this and I'm like, bro, Elijah's so petty, he's not playing any games, right? So I, I just think of today, like how would that go down today? So everyone's like, all right, cool. Everyone's Facebook living, Instagram live. I don't know if you can TikTok live, but if you can, they're on TikTok live and everyone's hyping this tea up, like who's God's gonna win this one, right? So Elisha tells the prophets of Baal to get to go first. They have majority people in number. He tells them, pray, but you know, not to light any fires, because like I said, like whoever's God answers with fire will be the true God. So he tells them, don't light no fires, nothing. So these prophets are praying all morning, literally all morning till around noon. They're calling Baal and dancing around um, their little altar. Um, and it's it says the Bible says nothing happened, not even a whisper or a breeze. So then here comes petty, petty little Elijah. He starts messing with these people. Um, he starts saying, call it a little louder. Um, he's a God. He's a God after all. Maybe he's off meditating somewhere or, 
Maybe he's gotten involved in a project or maybe he's on vacation. You don't suppose he's overslept, do you? And needs to be woken up. Then it goes on in verse 28 and it says that the, uh, the prophets are praying louder and louder and they start cutting themselves with their swords and knives until they're covered in blood, which were normal things that they practiced, which is so sad. Um, and even then, nothing happened. So then Elijah shuts him down and he says, all right, it's my turn. He puts the altar to get, uh, back together, prepares the ox and prays to God. And the Bible says immediately the fire of God fell and burned up the offering, um, the stones, the dirt, uh, even the water in the trench. And all the people witnessing this, so all the people that were going live, um, fell on their faces in awe and worship, saying, God is the true God. Elijah takes the prophets of Baal and he kills, he kills all of them. So in the next chapter in... First Kings 19, um, the king Ahab, he tells Jezebel what happened and what Elijah did. And she sends a message to Elijah uh, that the gods will get even with him and will have him dead like the prophets he killed. So Elijah takes off running. Um, he's running out of fear. He collapses under a tree and tells God like he's done. Um, and you can imagine like the list of things that he brings to God and all the things that went wrong. And he's like, I want out, like I'm done and I want to die. And so after all that, he falls asleep um, out of exhaustion. Now, I don't know how long he was sleeping for, but an, an angel uh, woke him up and told him to get up and eat. And a couple interesting things I pulled away from the story is that, um, in chapter 18, like Elijah was, in my opinion, just on a mountaintop experience. Um, he literally saw the hand of God before his eyes through him. And that, I assume, caused people to be led to repentance. Like he just did a really, really big thing. And right after he's under attack and his life is being threatened. Now, a normal response, right, I think it's normal, he runs in fear, and he feels the weight of life on his shoulder. He is in deep despair, and I, I would say he, he was feeling depressed. He literally just completely forgot what he just witnessed, what, like a day, I don't know, a couple hours a day, two days prior, and now, now he wants to die, and he just falls asleep. And it's interesting to think, that God didn't despise him in his weariness or his emotional weakness. He literally required nothing much of him but to get up and eat. He didn't lecture him. He didn't ask him, kind of like what I just said, like, did you just forget what I just did and what I just showed out about? Like, did you forget? Like, God doesn't ask him that. Um, and... God in his graciousness, in his kindness, has a meal prepared for, for Elijah. He literally has had the angel wake him up, and right by his head was food and a drink for him to drink, and then he falls back asleep. And then the angel goes back to him a second time and wakes him up and tells him again, eat some, eat some more food to get ready for your journey. And the Bible says um, it nourished, he was nourished by that meal. He walked 40 days and nights to the mountain, to a mountain of God called Hor Horeb. 
And when he got there, he crawled in a cave and went back to sleep. And again, I just find it so interesting that Elijah, um, this prophet, that literally God just used to prove that he was a true God, right after that falls into depression. And God requires nothing of him but to rest and eat. I think that's so vital and important to consider as you may be in a season of distress and pain and depression, or maybe, you know, this is for the future if you fall into that, and I pray you don't, but if you do, to be reminded of the story of Elijah that God is so gracious and so kind, and he understands our frailty, and he understands our weaknesses as humans, that sometimes all he requires is for us to rest. And if you've never gotten permission to rest before, here it is. Um, Maybe this is a season that you just need to unplug from, maybe it's social media, Um, maybe it's family, maybe it's friends, Um, for a short season, right? Because I also believe in seasons of depression, the enemy comes in and he tries to keep us isolated and alone and from people and that's when he tries to turn up on us but I also think there's a time where it's okay to just pull away for a short time and rest and recuperate and maybe get with get with the Lord in in prayer and worship um, in the word and allow him to renew your strength to renew your mind and your soul Um, get out a journal and just write out the things that you're feeling Um, and find trusted people. Um, But again, I think it's important to realize God does not despise us in our weakness. And he's um, attentive to that. And he's understanding of, of our frailty and of our weakness. And he's not afraid of your sadness and your broken heart and your weakness maybe your shame. He's not afraid of any of those things and he wants to know about it and he wants to walk with you in it. I want to encourage you that you have a friend, a faithful friend in Jesus, that even when people and things change as they do, as we do around the clock, um, Jesus is, is the same. He's still present. He's still faithful. He's still close and he still cares. You are not a burden. Your life is not wasted. You are not less. You are not a bother. You are not a mistake. You are never alone. And you are not what you have gone through or have done or what people have said about you. So if you are carrying a heavy heart in silence, you are loved and completely seen. And there's hope in your despair. There's hope for you. Then after a while of rest, I encourage you, just as as God did Elijah, to get up, get back up, and continue the call of God over your life. Because it doesn't end with you. There are people that that need you and your story is vital your life is vital and someone else's life is dependent on that story and on your life 
I want to leave you with this piece of scripture. It's 1 Peter 5, verse 10. And it says, so keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. Amen. So, Father, I thank you for every person listening right now. God, I pray for your touch, Jehovah Shalom, that your peace would rest on them now, would rest over their home, rest over their mind, over their thoughts, and over their deeds. God, I pray that you would remind them of who you say that they are. You'd remind them who they belong to. God, I pray over every spirit of depression, every spirit of fear, every spirit of anxiety to break right now in Jesus' name, that it would loosen their grip over every person under the sound of my voice in Jesus' name. God, I speak life. I speak truth. God, I speak peace over every single individual right now that's listening. God, I speak life and life more abundantly. God, I thank you that you did not make one mistake when you created us. Not one. And you were so detailed when you created us intricately. You were so detailed and on time. Nothing catches you by surprise. So what every person's dealing with right now, you already have an answer. You already have the direction already planned out for for them, for me, and you're not caught by surprise. So anything that tries to tell us or rise up against us to tell us otherwise, I rebuke it and send it back to the pit of hell right now. God, I declare that we shall live and not die. We are covered by the blood of Jesus. Lives matter. It has value. And there's a reason for us here on earth. God, we thank you, we love you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to episode two. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you will continue to grow with me on the Live Filled podcast. I probably won't do that again, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Episode two, complete. Thanks for listening. Stick around or be on the lookout for episode three. Episode three. Episode three. Episode three. Episode three. Hey, and make sure to share with someone that you think would be beneficial or that you think would benefit from listening. Um, I will see you on episode three. Happy Whatever day you listen to this, it is Thursday for me. So have a wonderful weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, all the grandmas out there, all the aunties out there. Happy Mother's Day to all the sisters that are moms, all the God mamas, amen, all the dog moms. Yes, all the dog moms, 
Sis, happy Mother's Day, okay? We are mothers out here in these streets. We take care of these dogs and these other animals like they are our kids, okay? I still got to feed this dog. I got to hold this dog. I got to kiss this dog, like all the things, okay? Happy Mother's Day to the dog moms, okay? Amen. I receive that. Anyways, have a great weekend, and I'll see you in episode three. (laughs) Thank you.